So we bring the, these core beliefs into our adulthood and they were adaptive as children. They were designed to help us to survive and to protect us. Mm-hmm. But then as we become adults, they're now maladaptive. Hey there, welcome to Jam with Jen, Empowering Your Pivot. I'm an ex-corporate girl turned chiropractor who is on a mission to help others make their dream a reality. I'll be sharing real stories from people who have made that leap into living a life of success on their terms. Making the leap isn't always sunshine and rainbows, but it's about showing you that you too can have the freedom of life you desire. So let's jump right in. Welcome back to another episode of Jam with Jen. Today, I have on Jackie Acree. Jackie is an emotional freedom technique practitioner and the founder of Being Human Together, which is an online course community where she teaches EFT to empowered, highly sensitive women to free themselves from chronic stress, perfectionism, and their inner critic so that they can live each day as their favorite version of themselves. So welcome, Jackie. Yay. That was a very official bio. <laughs> I love hearing it. (laughs) I'm excited to like hear your journey and like moving from, because you had started out in more, um, in like network marketing and then did the EFT practitioner, but you have a psychology background. Is that all correct? Right. So I have a BA in counseling because I really have always Mm -hmm. been fascinated by human behavior and what makes us tick. And I love psychology. So that's like the kind of stuff I nerd out on in my spare time. Like I just love to read all of the books and follow all of the new research. And it's always super interesting to me. So that's my educational background. Uh, Professionally, I actually was an event planner for um, a national Uh, like we ran national events here in Canada across the country. So I did that until I had my kids and did a couple maternity leaves. And then after having my children, I was looking for more flexible work, like many Mm -hmm. of us are, right? I wanted to be able to have the freedom and the flexibility to do the parenting stuff, but I didn't want to lose myself in all of that. And I wanted something to yes, earn an income, but also to grow and challenge myself and have some fun being another, like in a community that's not just parenting. So I did start network marketing and uh, was actually quite successful with that for a few years. And then started to feel very unfulfilled by it. Um, And there are lots and lots of reasons for that, actually. But that's how I discovered EFT tapping. So like I said, I already nerd out on the psychology stuff. Yeah. And when I got my BA in counseling, I had, I just wasn't completely aligned with talk therapy in my own experience as a client. And then in any kind of like practicum type experience and the degree and the educational part of it. I didn't love how in talk therapy, we tend to focus on the past or obviously we're talking in order to hopefully move forward, but it often felt like we're really just revisiting the same old stuff without really making any significant changes. I felt that in myself, like I said, as a client, because I've done lots of counseling for myself. And I actually still have a psychologist that I personally see once in a while here in our local area. And I absolutely love her. And yes, she actually gives me incredible insights, but she does things like EMDR, like things have really changed over the last um, few decades or well, they're changing slowly. So, Mm -hmm. so yeah, so I was, after I got my B in counseling, I decided I didn't want to become a talk therapist. I wasn't fully on board with 100% focusing on cognitive type therapies. And then I kind of got distracted. I just, like I said, I went into the event planner world and I had a lot of fun doing that. And then through network marketing, a lot of um, something that you'll hear in network marketing is people love to say that it's a personal development opportunity wrapped up in a business opportunity. You'll hear that Mm -hmm. all the time. And I did experience a lot of personal development in my, in my time with our company. And so I really fell in love with personal growth is my number one value for sure. Like my core value is always in personal growth and EFT tapping. Once I discovered 
the power of the somatic part of EFT tapping. So it works with your body and your mind. I Mm -hmm. absolutely fell head over heels in love with this modality. And so I transitioned um, from, I pivoted from my network marketing business to now fully like a solopreneur as an EFT practitioner. So that's hundred percent what I do now. Yeah. Very cool. So what, okay. So you work a lot with women. So what is, I kind of talked about a little bit, I guess, trying to like free, free stressful, like women who are a little bit more stressed out. So is that more of the mission with your business or um, if you could talk a little bit more about that, I guess. For sure. Yeah. I love that. You're like women who are like a little bit more stressed that I'm like, aren't we all like, I have yet to meet a human right now, especially, yeah. but at any time, whenever somebody's <laughs> listening to this, like check your stress levels, right? Like, yeah. It is life just in general is stressful and, um, that doesn't have to be a problem. And it's not like we are going to solve the external stressors. And in fact, you need a little bit of cortisol to get out of bed in the morning. It's actually not like cortisol can be made out to be such a villain as a Mm -hmm. a stress hormone, but we need all of what our body offers us. It can be useful. It's just sometimes things become very out of balance and we aren't taught how to uh, something that people hear all the time is, Oh, feel your feelings. You have to feel your emotions. You have to experience your emotions. You know, Brene Brown teaches like you can't selectively numb. So we're really uncomfortable feeling emotions like disappointment or anxiety mm-hmm. or, uh, well, anger as women generally we're taught, we're not allowed to be angry. We're supposed to be nice and sweet. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. we, we numb, um, emotions like that or frustration, grief, whatever, And yet numbing those emotions also numbs joy or peace, tranquility, contentment. So you cannot selectively numb. So we're told like, feel your feelings, but nobody actually teaches you how to do that. It's like the, what is missing the how. So I work primarily with uh, women, not just like, doesn't have to be, but that's just who tends to uh, come across my path. And yeah, yeah, they are, there's stressed AF, like, cause we all are. And so they are, I teach them how to what's called it complete your stress cycle. So how do we bring you back into balance mm-hmm. in not only like a cognitive way, because most of self-help mainstream self-help is going to tell you to master your mindset or control your thoughts, what you think about, you bring about, Uh, I like, I was fully indoctrinated by the network marketing stuff. So if anybody who's listening has been in network marketing, you'll hear a lot of those same phrases, but again, it's like a little bit of gaslighting because if it's not working for you, you assume it must be your fault. Like you're not doing it right. And so, and since you're not doing it right, but everybody else looks like they're doing it. So then what's wrong with me? Mm-hmm. And that's just not the truth of it. So I work with highly sensitive women. So they tend to feel things really deeply. I always say like, is your nervous system a little bit extra nervous? Um, that's for sure me. So highly sensitive women who are generally usually in midlife and midlife, I love to say is more of a stage than an age. So it doesn't have to be like, are you 44.4? It's more like usually sure after 35 ish, but it's more of this like stage where I think what we tend to do in life is we live life with a certain pattern of core beliefs that are really deeply ingrained uh, because that's how we develop as children. Yes. Right. And so we bring the, these core beliefs into our adulthood and they were adaptive as children. They were designed to help us to survive and to protect us. Mm-hmm. But then as we become adults, they're now maladaptive. And so they're not working for us anymore, but you still, I did, we try to strong arm them anyway, right? We try to just keep going and we're going through our twenties and we're going through our early thirties. And then once you hit like quote unquote midlife, whenever that happens to be for you, but you kind of hit this invisible wall where what you've been doing isn't working anymore. And it never really was, but you were kind of able to mask it. Like our bodies are just, they're still giving her, they're like, yep. You know what? Push me to the limit. It's fine. I'll keep meeting you where you're at. And I'll, I'll keep getting you out of bed in the morning. And, but it starts to really build up and you kind of get to this point in life where you look at how you are living your life and you're like, 
it's just really not what I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. And now what? And so I really, I mean, Brene Brown says this the best. She calls it the midlife unraveling. And she talks about how midlife kind of like the universe grabs you by the shoulders and pulls you in close and then whispers in your ear, I'm not effing around. And it's like this invitation to say, do you want to keep doing what you're doing and go down this path and just keep pleasing and perfecting and performing and feeling miserable, but not really sure what else to do about it? Or do you want to kind of try to unlearn some of the things that you learned earlier in life for very good reason and learn some new ways of being, which is, I love to say, it's like we grow into our favorite version of ourselves. And in order to do that, you need the tools of self-compassion, emotional agility, and stress resilience, because stress is definitely not going anywhere. So let's learn how to be resilient to it. Yeah. And that's interesting. So I, as a chiropractor, talk about stress all the time, not like Uh always in a negative manner, but like stress, how we adapt to it. So instead of how you had, like, I just use the word adaption or adapting to everything, because as long as your body can adapt to what's happening to you, you become resilient and you don't get stuck in that fight, flight, freeze scenario. So, yeah. Right. And however, and I agree with you hundred percent, but I think sometimes what we don't realize is our body is adapting for a long time. And you'll see this as a chiropractor. Cause I know my yeah. chiropractor talks to me about this. Cause he's like, um, you have some problems going on because your body will adapt, but it can only adapt to a certain point. And then it's like, there's this tipping point where yeah. hang on now you've got like subluxation, right. And yeah. there's a problem here. And so it's like little yellow flags. Yes, and if we yep. pay attention to those yellow flags, we don't have to become like gnarled, mm-hmm. right? It's like, okay, what is this uh, feedback telling you, which is actually what emotions are. Emotions are simply pieces of information. And when we can learn to listen to them, we don't have to act on them, but they have something to tell us. So like anger might be telling you that there's something you really care about. Uh, there might be an injustice happening and it's okay to feel angry. So maybe there's some information there. Resentment is one that people get often they mistake resentment as being in the anger family of emotions, but resentment is actually in the envy family. And so as women, again, because I work primarily with women, but men can feel resentful too. But when we feel resentful, like sometimes I feel resentful of my partner as Mm -hmm. you know, he's whatever he's got that I want for myself. So resentment can be a really good piece of information instead of thinking like, oh, it's like I'm angry at him. It's actually this invitation to look at and say like, hmm, I wonder if there's something that he has that I want. And so looking at that, like, is there a boundary that needs to be put in place or is there some self-care that needs to happen? And so it's kind of like with the work that you do, it's the body gives us these little pieces of information that we can pay Mm -hmm. attention to and then listen to and then adapt to, right? Like to have better health physically, it's the same with emotions. It's more health and wellness emotionally. And then also obviously mentally and physically, because it's all works together. Correct. Yeah. Yeah it's a full blown like ecosystem of everything yes. is correlated, connected and intertwined. And yes, I love that word ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. It's an ecosystem. And actually like, so obviously thoughts are important. Mm-hmm. This is something that I end up talking with people about all the time because it's sort of an unpopular opinion to say, look, your thoughts are not the most important thing about you. And they're not the gateway to changing your life. And I mean, people might just be like right now clicking off on the podcast because they're like, forget it. I don't like this lady. (laughs) Or maybe there's someone who's listening going, tell me more because Mm -hmm. they've been trying to white knuckle affirmations, let's say maybe even for years, or they've been trying so hard to think the right thought. And if I could just figure out how to think the right thought and actually believe it, I'll change my life. The believe it part is actually really important because it is our core beliefs that are running our, our, they're running the show. So your thoughts are important, but they are in a symbiotic relationship with the emotions, with the body and this obsession that we have culturally 
with our thoughts as being like the gateway, it's, it's just not the whole picture. It's only part of the picture. So yes, they're important, but they're not the be all and end all. I love that. That is that I feel like everything you're talking about totally resonates with how I talk about things. Yes. Yeah. So very cool. Um, as you were starting to get into this EFT work, um, did you have any critics who are like, are you sure you should leave, like say the network marketing and do this? Or did you have a lot of support around that as well? Yeah, I think, well, I should probably tell people what EFT even is, just in yes. case people are like, I don't even know what that is. Uh, you know what? Just I just as you were saying it. I was like, I wonder <laughs> if they even have a clue what we're talking about. Yeah, what the sorry. And I'm familiar with it and I've done some like videos of it. So I just always take for granted sometimes that people know what it is. So yes, if you could explain it more, that totally. would be perfect. Yeah, I, I mean, if so, if somebody already knows, then great. Although yeah. sometimes it helps to hear things in a new way. And if somebody's totally brand new to this, they're, they're certainly not the only ones. There's lots of people that are saying to me like, well, what is that? I mean, they've probably mm-hmm. seen it or heard of it somewhere. It is definitely growing in popularity and um, in exposure, like more and more people are hearing about it because the fact is it actually really does work. And we Mm -hmm. now finally have the studies to support that. So uh, EFT is what it's commonly referred to because it's less of a mouthful than saying emotional freedom techniques, but that's what it's formally called. So it's emotional freedom techniques. And I I mean, most commonly you're going to hear it called tapping. And the reason is because we literally are tapping on the physical body while we're talking about our thoughts and our feelings. And so it's this beautiful blend of the somatic processing. So the body, it's bringing the body in. And there was a decade long study done by Harvard that showed when you tap on the body, on the physical body, on these acupoints, and yes, there have also been studies that have shown, okay, but what if you just tap anywhere on the body? Does it matter? Yes, on these actual acupoints, which are the points that, you know, are go way deep into Chinese medicine, acupuncture, people will be more familiar with or acupressure, right? Yeah. I was just going to ask if it is correlated with like the meridians of like acupuncture. Correct. Yes. Okay. So it's the same kind of, that's the foundation of the, of the tapping on the body part is it's working with that part of the body. Mm -hmm. And so there's this decade long study done by Harvard that showed that when we tap on these acupoints, when we stimulate them, there is a nearly instantaneous calming signal sent to the brain. So that's why when I say like when people are stressed and they don't know how to complete the stress cycle, there are so many things that we can do to lower our stress and the stress that we're feeling in our physical bodies. Um, I have a dog and her and I walk in the forest behind my house almost every single day because there, again, research shows like walking and this like um, motion on both sides of the body, how it supports just releasing stress integration. Mm -hmm. Like it's like a mind body experience when you're mindfully present with the walk, don't have your phone out. Right. So tapping is, is, uh, another tool that you have. that's literally at your own fingertips and it sends the calming message to the brain, letting the brain know you're safe. It's okay. Cause often we're in this stress response, right? And then you're talking about your thoughts and your feelings while you're tapping. So it helps you to access that cortex area of the brain that's developed last. The brain develops from the ground up limbic system develops before the cortex and we're often living in our limbic system. So we can get all into that if you want, but (laughs) short Cole's notes version is most of us are walking around as emotionally triggered toddlers uh, and we know it and we don't want to be doing that but we almost feel like it's involuntary that we have these reactions and like when I yell at my kids for example I don't want to but I'm like I'm at their level when I'm doing that I want to act like a 44 year old well resourced emotionally mature woman but instead I'm like oh my god you guys <laughs> So tapping helps you to, like I said, complete that stress cycle, really send that calming message to the brain. And we all literally everyone I talk to wants to feel better. Um, If you ask people how they want to feel, they'll say things like happier, calmer, more peaceful, um, more grateful. 
And yet we're not experiencing a lot of those feelings because we're calling it kind of all stuck up inside. These emotions have something to tell us, but we're not listening because we haven't been taught how. And then we're just kind of like, it's like, look at even, I, I know the listeners can't necessarily see me, but it's like, you're caught up in your body. Like you're like all restricted and tight. And again, I think of your work and how like, yeah. it's, like right. Like it just gets so things are just out of alignment. Yeah. And so tapping is going to bring it into alignment help you to access that wiser part of you who's more resourced, who has access to perspective and logic and um, decision-making with all of the information that's available to you, but you maybe can't see it because you're in that emotional vortex. So that's EFT tapping. Now your question I think was, did I have any critics or did I generally have support. That was your question. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, I found that hmm, leaving network marketing can be a little tricky because it's quite a community. And also, um, I think that there's a lot of judgment when you quit something. It's like people, I don't know if they, sometimes I think there's the thought that like you're leaving them, there mm-hmm. can be that. but I think also just generally in life, again, we're maybe not taught that it's okay to quit. When we quit, you're not a quitter. It doesn't make you a quitter. You're just consciously saying, I'm done with that thing. <laughs> that yeah. might be okay. <laughs> so I no, I would say in general though, no, I didn't have critics. I didn't feel unsupported. Um, I've, I think tapping, I'm the go-to gal for like the science behind tapping. I inadvertently became that because I personally am very woo skeptical. (laughs) So I am not like, it's, it's just not, I like to understand things. Like I already said, I, I kind of nerd out on psychology, the studies, the scientific part of tapping really fascinated me. And I, I needed that understanding to feel safe with it because otherwise to me, it just felt like a weird thing to do. Like tap on your body and talk about your thoughts and feelings and change your life. Like that sounds like bullshit. Sorry. Yeah. 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 So, um, so I inadvertently kind of became that way, but it is, I mean, network marketing isn't universally accepted. And I was very supported when I chose to do that for a while. And, uh, tapping also is something that is a little on that weird kind of like fringe, maybe choice. And I've been really gifted with a lot of support. Now that being said, I think where people maybe could relate to the criticism part, I think that my criticism of myself was something that I really needed to face. And that's, again, something that I work with clients on all the time because that inner critic, Mm -hmm. she can be really nasty. So uh, learning to, you don't want to suppress or silence the inner critic. She's a part of you who is there to protect you. Again, Mm -hmm. maybe she wants to keep you safe. And so she's doing it in a nasty way, but with really good intentions. And when you try to suppress her, she generally gets louder. She's like, you're not listening to me. So instead you can learn to talk to her in a different way and honor her intentions without letting her control you. So my own inner critic was someone who was definitely, I had to, yeah, I had to learn how to listen to her, but also um, like say, thank you, but I've got this. Um, when I chose to become a practitioner, for sure. That was something I faced. Yeah. I love that you bring that up because I had interviewed Sandy, who um, is the the week before you or the interview before you. And she was talking all about this too. And she compared it to like board members. And she mm-hmm. was like, okay, inner critic, like you can sit down. I had enough of you today. But like the fact that you bring this up now too, and I've had other women bring this up is that it's such a common thing, or it's really common that we have that inner critic that we're, we are a lot harsher on ourselves. Like the things we say to ourselves, we would never say to our friends, um, at least in my experience. And yeah. um, And then, and then we have that imposter syndrome too. Yes, that's right. And also, oh goodness. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, so I teach a course called goal trauma and I always say when people say, well, what's goal trauma? I'm like, don't worry. If you're asking, you probably don't have it. like one of those phrases that people just generally are like, 
oh, tell me more. Like that sounds familiar or maybe they just haven't hit it yet. But imposter, um, I actually, one of the sources that I um, taught on it, the last time I taught the course, they were saying like imposter, it's not even imposter syndrome, it's imposterism. Like everybody has it to some degree. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of, it's more of a spectrum. Like how much are you experiencing it? And then what do you do with it? Again, like, do you let it live your life for you or do you normalize? it. I think it's so important. One of the core aspects of self-compassion, which is something I teach in all of my either coursework or with my one-on-one clients, self-compassion has three main components, mindfulness, self-kindness, like speaking kindly to yourself and then common humanity and common humanity is where like, it doesn't have to be the same but we all are human together and we experience the same kinds of emotions or like imposterism, inner critic, like we all have self-doubt. So we can normalize that instead of thinking there's something wrong with me and go, oh, I bet you Jen has some kind of self-doubt experience too. Like, let's talk about it and relate to one another instead of feeling like, oh, I'm going to just hide that because I'm probably different. No, Mm -hmm. self-doubt, totally normalize it. Um, But again, it just doesn't have to run the show. Yeah. So board members saying that's a good one. Like thinking (laughs) about like self-doubt sitting around the table, imposter syndrome sitting around the table, uh, the inner critic sitting around the table, right? They all have something to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Tell me more about some of the courses that you have. Like, so you said you have courses and then you work one-on-one with people. So maybe talk me through a little bit more, like how you, all the different types of ways that you work with people. Uh, I still am loving developing the business side of things. It's something I find really fun. And that's an emotion that I really love to bring into my business is just like, how can this be fun? Right? Like Mm -hmm. when we go to work every single day, how do you want to feel? And so like, there are things I have to do in my business that I do not love to do. I am not a techie person at all. Like for real, I do not enjoy like learning how to automate all of like a system, like a one-on-one booking system. I'm like, Oh, just like, please no. But so how can I bring fun into that process? Uh, and I really do. I love developing my business so much. So I have a course called being human together. It's my signature program. Mm-hmm. And it really is designed to help people, whether they're women or not, but I do generally work with women um, who are, like I said, kind of at that crossroads where they realize what I've been doing so far, just, it's not really working for me anymore. I want to let go of things like perfectionism, uh, the inner critic for sure, uh, people pleasing, um, feeling like you got to be the good girl all the time and wanting to let go of that. But then you kind of have this, like, how do, how do I unlearn that? Or the stress response? Like I said, like these patterns of how we act when we're stressed, how do I let go of that? And then what do I replace it with? Like what's the, now I have a blank slate. What do I get to put on that blank slate? So being human together, it's a 10 week uh, program. And You join a community of other people working through the same kind of things. They may be at a different place than you are. And because it's all universal, like I said, common humanity, though, we all learn together. So you're learning the skills of self-compassion, emotional agility, and stress resilience. But then you're using EFT tapping to really bring in that transformation. Because like I said, core beliefs are running the show. So if you've got core beliefs like... um, I'm not allowed to make mistakes or I know a lot of entrepreneurs, it's like, it's not safe to be visible. So they want to grow a business, Mm -hmm. but they don't feel safe putting themselves out there. And so then they're stuck. They're up against an invisible wall, right? Because in order to grow a business, you kind of somehow have to put yourself out there. And uh, so that's a core belief that needs to be looked at a core belief. Like I'm not consistent enough, or I'm undisciplined, or I don't work hard enough, or I'm lazy, or I'm selfish, all of those core beliefs have to be looked at and then released and replaced. So that's some of the work that we do together in, uh, in being human together. I do also work with one-on-one clients, although, as you know, I mean, you can only adjust as a chiropractor, so many people in one day, although my chiropractor, I don't know how you guys pump everybody through. Like, it's just like, you have to work so efficiently. And so I do have some one-on-one work and then goal trauma. So being human together is open all the time. Um, 
so people can join when it's the right time for them. But goal trauma, I only run a live cohort every once in a while because it's just a different, it's a different thing. So, um, so that one, that one is primarily working with people who, again, like you are up against an invisible wall with core beliefs, but you Mm -hmm. have a very specific goal that you're like, okay, how do I, this is something I've been wanting to, I guess, achieve, but you're, you have somehow been stuck. So upper limit problems. Yeah. So that's the, those are the three main things that I do. Okay. And I think I saw, do you have like a 10 minute free like trial that people can? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So tapping, I, the way I was first introduced to it, one of my mentors, she loves to say that tapping is better experienced than explained. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're an experienced person, that's true. But remember, I actually love explanation. So I think that both are really, really, really important. But for people who do love the experience, and I I think that, like I said, both are critically important. I mean, who cares about the explanation if you don't actually use the tool? You can understand something, but just knowing about it isn't going to actually do anything for you. So yes, I recorded a short. I intentionally made it 10 minutes because... I'm a busy mom and entrepreneur. Like I, Mm -hmm. I need things to be bite-sized. I do 10 minutes of yoga in the morning. Like I don't have 60 minutes to do a full practice first thing, but when I want to set my day up to feel really good, um, I used to wake up. Do you, can you relate to this at all, Jen? Maybe your listeners can. Like I used to wake up feeling quite anxious and stressed first thing in the morning. Yeah. I, I did when I first started my practice all the time. Yeah. Like, I think that people go through phases of life where life mm-hmm. just feels like a little bit much, or we don't feel like enough. Like I felt like I didn't have enough time or I didn't have enough energy. I hear that all the time. Like you mm-hmm. just feel like, Oh, the day is starting. And I already feel like it's off the rails and I'm just getting out of bed. So this free session is start your day calm, clear, and grounded. And at any, you do not have to be like a 10 out of 10. I'm super anxious. I need this right now. You can be like, I'm just feeling a little bit unsettled. I always find with tapping, what happens is as you tap, you get a little bit of that like insight or space into, Oh, I didn't realize like, that is kind of still bugging me. And then you get to like, let it go or set it aside or get some insight onto what you might want to do about it. And then you feel better. So that's a free session that people can try and experience it for themselves. See how they feel. Yeah. Perfect. And I'll make sure, obviously that's like linked up in the show notes as well. Um, and as you had sent over some more information about, about yourself, um, you had on there, your Enneagram that you're an Enneagram eight. Oh, I'm like like bananas about the Enneagram. I love you. Um, so I think it's so interesting to like talk to people who like know their Enneagram. Um, and then as you were talking about, like, I needed to know like all the information about like how it actually works. It was like, okay, that makes sense. Why you you're an Enneagram eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enneagram. So a lot of yeah. listeners probably don't know what Enneagram is just like EFT tapping, but yeah. Enneagram, which even is a word that can be a mouthful if you don't know it. Um, it's, uh, it looks at like core motivations. One of the reasons I love it is because like I said, core beliefs are running the show, right? So mm-hmm. Enneagram understanding, um, like why you do what you do is really helpful. And yeah, Enneagram eights tend to be like all in type of people. We can be really intense and I have mellowed a lot as I've developed over the years. I'm 44. So I've had, you know, a lot of opportunities to mellow, but when I was first, uh, when I was younger, I took a pottery class. I wanted to learn wheel pottery. And Mm -hmm. so I took this class, like I might've been 20 at our local library. I remember taking this pottery class and while we were, she taught us how to center the clay. And so then it was our turn to practice. So I'm centering the clay on the wheel and she comes around <laughs> to see how we're doing. She says, oh, like, just take your foot off the, of the wheel and lift your hand. I just want to see how this is going. Cause that clay, if anyone's done wheel pottery, it is hard. It's really like, hard. I was like, you are going, I will control you. Like you are going <laughs> to listen to me. And so I was just like giving it my all fully all in. And sure enough, I pull up my hands and there's blood streaming down my hands. <laughs> That's like. <laughs> Yeah, that was how I used to run my life. And uh, I think that's one of the gifts that we get as we mature and as we grow is we kind of learn how to, like I've learned how to 
I want to say harness, see again, like that language, just like want to control it, but it's Mm -hmm. more like how to embrace the gift and the strength of some of that intensity, but also learn learn how to like mellow it a little bit where we don't want to burn out. We've got to listen Mm -hmm. to those yellow flags. And so for me, a yellow flag is always like, how intense am I about this? Like maybe tone it down just a little. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is funny because, so I'm an Enneagram seven, which is the, the, like, uh, the enthusiast. I couldn't yes. think of the word. And yes, I, when I'm like going down rabbit holes and I get like that, like FOMO of like, or I see like all the shiny objects. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Just like calm down just a little, like you're probably yes. a little intense for people right now. Yeah. Super fun though. And you grab seven to be really fun people. Yeah. I, well, and I always joke about that when people know the Enneagrams, I'm like, but I'm the fun one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I might not be organized, but at least I'm fine. <laughs> That's the best. But yeah. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that was so interesting. Just, I mean, overall, like understanding the brain, things like that. And then those beliefs, like you had talked about too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what do you think has been the most challenging with doing the EFT online or creating your business? Oh goodness. I think, um, I think the emotional regulation for any entrepreneur, it really is super challenging. So for example, when you, uh, like you have a business idea or plan, or you like, you put something out there and then let's say you hear crickets or something goes really well, and then you do it again. And the next time you do it, it doesn't go so well. Like any of those, any obstacles that we hit as entrepreneurs always come with emotions. Mm -hmm. And I think it's really, I'm somebody who, uh, so growth mindset and fixed mindset, which is who is it that teaches that? Do you remember? I'm trying to think of who it is. Um, I can't think of it right now. Growth mindset. Okay. So I'm sorry that I I can't give credit to who this is because it's not coming to me, but, um, I remember learning about that and just having this aha moment because I didn't realize I grew up with a fixed mindset, meaning, um, like if it doesn't go well the first time, or if I'm not, not naturally good at it, just don't keep trying. We will mm-hmm. only do stuff that you're good at. And so this growth mindset, which is actually ironic, because if you remember what I said earlier, I said growth is my number one core value, but it's really uncomfortable to fail. And failure is something that as an entrepreneur, you have to learn how to tolerate because failure is feedback and it is such good information to get. And then you try again and it's on mm-hmm. the way to success. But I grew up thinking that failure and success were on the opposite ends of the spectrum. And so really one of the biggest obstacles for me, which thank God, truly that emotional freedom techniques was my, uh, business. Like that's what I do because I can use the tool for myself to really practice what I preach. I mean, emotional regulation, listen to the emotions, allow myself to feel them, but don't let them be the decision makers. So Susan David, who is one of the leading researchers around emotions, she wrote a book called Emotional Agility. And she, one of her phrases that I always like to repeat is that emotions are data or data, depending on where you are in the world. Emotions are data, not directives. So they're sources of information, but you don't have to do what they say. And I think as an entrepreneur, it's really important because, you know, if I listen to my emotions all day, every day, when I'm sitting here, let's say, trying to figure out how to automate a one-on-one booking process, yeah, forget it. Like I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm just going to go walk the dog or, you know, when you do launch something and it flops, I mean, that happens to everybody at some point on your entrepreneurial journey. It's not like every, like you only go up. Everybody Mm -hmm. hopefully has seen that meme, that little drawing of, um, you know, what we're told growing a business is like, which is this like little like journey straight up the arrow straight up. Yeah. what it's really like. And I mean, you have that swirly that's all over the place with ups and downs and like, that's what it's like. So without that skill of emotional regulation, which I mean, it is a learned skill. So if anybody's feeling like, Oh, but what's wrong with me? Because I can't do that. Well, well, you weren't taught. We hadn't, we weren't taught when we were younger. So you need to learn that as adults and that's okay. You can learn it. Mm-hmm. And as you learn it, you get the gift of, Oh, this feels so much better than what I was doing before. So that was for me, like a huge game changer for sure. Yeah. What do you think has been the most rewarding? 
Oh, freedom for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, uh, Gretchen Rubin talks about the four tendencies. She teaches the four tendencies and one of them is the rebel. So if mm-hmm. anyone has done any of the Gretchen Rubin work, um, like I can't, and an Enneagram 8 thing, this is a little bit of Enneagram 8 too, but like, you can't tell me what to do. And I can't even tell me what to do. Like, it's just like, does not work. So I really do love, love the freedom of being able to, I'm not, again, like something that I don't love about network marketing is how they love to say, like, you get to like, be your own boss and work when you want. And I think that we can sometimes oversell things as though like you have all the freedom in the world to do it however you want. I don't think it's really Mm -hmm. like that. I think um, it's more, that's too, that's oversimplification, but I really do love the freedom to be able to, like I said, go for a hike with my dog or spontaneously reschedule our podcast interview because it was at a time that worked better for the both of us. Like I love the freedom to be able to determine where I put my time, because truly our time, like that is, that is a scarce resource. We do have a finite amount of time and it's a gift to be able to be like, it's a gift and it is a privilege to be able to put my time where it's most important to me to put it. So that I would say is most rewarding. Yeah. I love that. Um, knowing what you know today, if you could go back and talk to your five-year-old self, is there anything that you would tell her? Oh, so much. I mean, that's now we're getting into like EFT tapping work for sure. Because when you marry tapping with that inner child work is really beautiful. Um, Because we do, we all have, you know, parts of ourselves that we'd love to be able to say something to that maybe she was never told. Um, I have a mug. That's one of my very favorite mugs. And it says underestimate me. That'll be fun. So probably that's one thing I would tell her underestimate me. That'll be fun. Like she's, you know, she has a lot of strength and power and I'd want her to know, like, you know, again, have fun actually like, uh, embracing that, like embrace it as a strength, have fun with that. Um, you're not too much for people. Like it's, I I think also letting her know the world is a safer place than you think it is. I grew up not feeling like the world was a very safe place. And um, I think actually overall now in the current context that we're recording this podcast, that does not feel true. Yeah. But in the privileged part of the world that I live in and with the privilege that I personally have, like, and I also think that inherently, I don't know, I just want to believe in the goodness of people inherently, like at the mm-hmm. core of who they are overall. And that's what I look for. Like, you know, so telling her, you know how Mr. Rogers says, like, look for the helpers, yes. her, look for the helpers and also be a helper. So don't just sit there looking for the other helpers, but like, look for, okay. And also how can I help? And, um, know that if you're like picking at, I saw this the other day that really resonated with me. Like if you're, if your work in the world is picking at one of the threads in the cloth, that's holding all of this, like oppression and violence and, um, you know, all of the things that are wrong with our world. If you're part of your, if your work is like picking away at just one thread, that's holding that together. Mm-hmm. Eventually, like when we're all doing that, it unravels the whole damn cloth. So I would tell her like, just keep picking away. It matters yeah. and be a helper. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any recommendations on books or po- other podcasts that you, you listen to? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> of course. I was like, like I said, super nerd over here. It's like, <laughs> I love reading. I would choose to read over most other activities. Like, okay. Like when people are like, I don't ever have time to read. I'm like, how do you not have time to read? Like I now I don't have time to do other things though. <laughs> because I'm reading. Uh, yes, I do. I have so many books that I could recommend. Um, and I would just love to hear like, okay, well, what books are people wondering about? What could I like match with each person? But I think that's something that I hear on podcasts or something I actually don't hear on podcasts. When people are asked this question is very rarely Mm -hmm. do people recommend fiction. They almost always are like, oh, I recommend this book because you'll learn this in it. And I really do have this core belief that we are, when we're like on Instagram or when we are people who like love personal growth. So we're looking for some kind of, you know, support or advice or whatever, like we're constantly being 
made into like a self-improvement projects. Mm-hmm. And I do love to read for personal growth reasons. And I could give you a whole list of recommended reading resources. It's something that I do in my course. Um, but we also can learn a lot and just simply enjoy reading fiction, good fiction. So people may not like the same fiction that I do, but I'll recommend a couple of my favorite fiction books. So one of them is um, Anything, actually, by Frederick Bachman. Okay. So he's, I think he's Swedish, actually but his books have been translated into English. And they're two of my favorites of his, if people want specific examples. Um, Anxious People is one of them. It's excellent. And also A Man Called Ove. So it's O-V-E, which is being made into a movie actually, I think. So yeah, so he's excellent. I love his writing. I also really love um, Matt Haig, H-A-I-G. He wrote a book okay. called The Midnight Library, which I love. It's very good. He also wrote this little book that is not fiction, but if people are not readers and they're maybe tuned out by now and not really listening, hang on guys, like <laughs> listen to this because this little tiny book is called The Comfort Book and it doesn't have much in it. Like it's not like a big reader. You don't have to read it start to finish. You just, it's one of those beautiful books that you could literally just pick up and open to a page. And it's called the comfort book. Like it literally brings you some kind of uh, insight or comfort. Like it's just, he writes so beautifully and I always feel better and inspired when I read that book. So I would definitely recommend checking out one of those two gentlemen. They're excellent. Perfect. Um, And where can people connect with you online? Probably the easiest way would be my website. Okay. Um, they can go to JackieAcree.com, uh, hop on my email list. You know what? It's, it's strange to me, but I get feedback every time I send an email to my list. Someone emails and it's like, I love reading your emails. I don't know. I think I love to email my list. And I think that comes through. Like I love to tell wacky stories or challenge some kind of self-help status quo that maybe is gaslighting people. So I don't, I hop on my email list and if you don't love it, hop right back off, but I do get that feedback all the time. So I'd say hop on there. And then of course, um, you know, there's always social media so they can follow me at Jackie.acre on Instagram and hop into my DMS. Let me know that you listen to the podcast episode. And I really love human to human connection. Like I'm all about, if somebody throws me an email or a DM, I will personally respond because there's a real shortage of that in our world. And Mm -hmm important to nurture that. Yeah. Any um, other piece of advice you'd like to leave the audience with? Hmm. Oh, something you'll hear me say literally all the time, like ad nauseum is that if being hard on yourself worked, it would have worked by now. So it's one of the foundations of everything I do that we are so hard on ourselves. Like you said, like things that we say to ourselves that we would never say to a friend or you're saying like, what would you say to your five-year-old self? Like I think of some of the things that I say to myself inwardly, would I ever say those to my five-year-old self? Like never, never. But we have a belief that being hard on ourselves will work. Like Mm -hmm. it's the thing that's going to make us change. And it doesn't. It actually creates a stress <laughs> response. And when you're stressed, you move away from that. So it's actually the exact opposite. And that's why it's not working for people. They just don't know. So I always say if being hard on yourselves worked, it truly would have worked by now. Mm-hmm. There's another way. So um, I think it's Aundi Colbert. I don't know how to say her first name. Um, A-U-N-D-I. She wrote a book called Try Softer. So instead of trying harder, we always say like, try harder. It's like, try softer, just try softer. And what if that worked instead? Feels a lot better. That's, that's really good advice. I feel like we probably could talk for like five more hours. And I feel like we, we might have to schedule one more podcast to do just talking about the brain and the science behind EFT. I would totally nerd out on that. I would love to do that with you. Yeah, this is, this has been such like great information. And like I said, I will link everything up so people can connect with you on social media or on your website, check out the 10 minute like tapping session. But I think, um, I obviously love the science behind things too. So mm-hmm. I think that would be really cool to, to reconnect and then just literally focus on the science of it all. 
It's so fascinating to learn the science that supports something that's working. Um, yeah. And it often takes science um, a little bit of time to like catch up, like the evidence, because tapping was working for people way mm -hmm. before we had the evidence and the understanding of why. And yeah. so I really have to give so much respect to people who are using the tool before they understood it. Because like I said, I, if so it, like if people are woo skeptical, I'm like, I am your person. I know I'm very comfortable saying I'm woo adjacent. Like there is always a mystery to how our bodies work that yes. I find like uh, really beautiful. Actually, the mystery of, we don't have to understand it all. We can allow some mystery to exist and kind of marvel at it, but it's really neat to see that after an hour of tapping cortisol levels can go down by as much as 43%. And an hour of tapping regulates 72 genes. Like what? I That's find that awesome. So interesting. And it, for me, it really helps me to, to do it. It's like, okay, well, this is doing something. So mm -hmm. yeah, in addition to the experience of it, the explanation for me really supports, uh, using the actual, the tool instead of just like, oh, that's nice. I'm going to shelve that and never do it. Yeah. Well, I'm sure on the days that you don't want to sit and do the tapping because we all have days where we don't want to like do something where we would rather probably lay in bed and just like veg out knowing oh, yeah. the science behind it helps motivate sometimes too, to, to, to do the task that we want to do. Yeah. Or sometimes we know. Yeah. Yeah. Or that we know that will help. Sorry. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think, um, I mean, and the truth is sometimes I do just lay in bed and yeah. <laughs> it's like allowing yourself to be human. I think we have, we really have this story that everybody is doing better and more than we are. And that's why our life sucks. It's like not the truth. And so, um, with tapping, one of the things I like to say as we're tapping is like, maybe you're doing better than you think you are. Like, what if that was true? And we just invite that question in and then you let your reticular activating system do the work on your behalf and look for evidence for that new belief. So we, you, we could totally do another episode on how the brain works and <laughs> I'm sure we would have lots of fun. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much, Jackie. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Jen. It was a really fun chat. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening through another episode of Jamming with Jen. If you'd like to connect more, reach out to me on Instagram at Dr. Jen Forstner and make sure that you like and subscribe to the podcast so that you're always up to date with what's going on. Mm -hmm.